Hi everyone, it's Rachel and I'm currently on maternity leave, recovering and caring for my new little guy. While I'm away, I'm sharing some of the most popular podcast episodes from the last couple of years, plus some of my personal favorites. In a second, I will tell you about why I picked this episode and what the guest has been up to since we recorded. But before that, I want to make sure to point you to our other two shows, The Strong Towns Podcast and Upsound. Both are actively publishing new episodes. Strong Towns Podcast runs on Mondays and Upzone runs on Wednesdays. So check those out if you're craving something new from Strong Towns. Head to strongtowns.org slash podcast to see those or just search for them in your podcast app. And of course, visit strongtowns.org for daily new articles. I'll see you back here in late January once I return from leave. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. I'm your host, Rachel. My conversation today is with Alfred Melbourne, who runs a farm called Three Sisters Gardens in Broderick, California. Melbourne hasn't always been a farmer. In fact, he spent several years of his adult life in prison, but when he got out in 2016, he connected with an elder who pointed him towards a vacant piece of land in his city. With hard work and dedication, he turned that garbage-strewn space into a flourishing garden and has since expanded into multiple other farm sites throughout the Broderick area. Three Sisters Gardens and Melbourne's process are deeply inspired by his Hunkpapa Lakota heritage. And I was fascinated to learn that the name Three Sisters comes from three crops that are really important in indigenous culture and cuisine. That's corn, beans, and squash. Melbourne sees farming as a chance to bring back the land into productive use, to feed neighbors who don't have access to affordable fresh food, and to help guide young people down a supportive path during their youth. His farm actually employs teens in the community, giving them the mentorship and purpose that um, Melbourne didn't have when he was young to hopefully help keep them out of trouble. He says that he's moved from plotting to planting, and now he gets to help young people make that same shift. At Strong Towns, we've got what we call our Strong Towns Strength Test, which is a sort of litmus test to determine if your community is on track to being financially resilient. And in that test, we asked this question, if you wanted to eat only locally produced food for a month, could you? For most people, the answer is no. But Three Sisters Gardens is working to change that in Broderick. They're taking neglected land and using it to grow precious resources, food, to feed the community. And Melbourne is mentoring the next generation of neighbors and farmers in the process, too. They're helping to move the surrounding neighborhoods towards food resilience, enabling them to support themselves, steward their own resources, and build long-term financial stability. So here's my conversation with Alfred Melbourne. Hi, everyone. Today's guest on this episode is Alfred Melbourne, an urban farmer and community leader who runs Three Sisters Gardens in Broderick, California. Alfred Melbourne, welcome to this podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Rachel. Truly a pleasure. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up um, running this farm? Well, uh, my name is Alfred Melbourne. I'm a hunk papa, Lakota born and raised in Broderick, California. I was recently released from 
incarceration and having served a sentence and completed that, I really felt like I was missing something in my life. I was working pretty hard at two separate jobs and just really finding things unfulfilling. So I was communicating with a older friend of mine, one of my elders, uh, Francisco Gonzalez, and he was talking about um, some land that he had next to his house and seeing an opportunity and knowing that I like to work hard, you know, I just kind of delved right in and started tilling the field, removing garbage and kind of just really burned myself out in the process and just kept coming back day after day and turned seven beds into 17 on this particular spot and just really kept on going from there. Wow. What led you to feel like you could take this jump and like start farming? Had you grown up, you know, growing food with family or anything like that? Or you just like dove in and uh, learned it on the fly? Well, a little bit of both, you know, out of necessity. Uh, my father has always grown something in the backyard, having small little ingenious, I would say, gardens for ourselves, mainly like cucumbers, peppers, some tomatoes different herbs, um, some basil, some cilantro, kind of stuff just to kind of keep a little bit of stuff in the house that was fresh. And then for a short period of time, I, I took to growing cannabis and knowing that, you I mean, that really wasn't the thing for me at the time, but felt like I got pretty good at it. And then once I found some open space outdoors, I just kind of just kind of made that transition over and I did a lot of research and try to meet and talk to anybody that I could that was growing food and, you know, just really applying myself. And uh, today we um, just, you know, I mean, the benefits of all that are really showing. Yeah. So who was involved in your efforts as you started to grow into having like multiple beds and really expanding your operations? I imagine you had to bring in some help at some point. Sure. Well, um, fortunately enough, I started with one small little tiny little plot, less than probably eighth of an acre. And um, I was able to introduce myself to the Center for Land-Based Learning and Come to find out they had an incubator farming program and met one of their farmers and then another and started communicating. And I was uh, accepted into the program. I submitted an application and um, a business plan. And yeah, they, they ended up having some open space at one of their farm sites. So upon my um, approval of my application, I ended up taking on some more land and it was, um, Again, about less than, about an eighth of an acre, we'll say, definitely less than a quarter. So connecting with the CLBL was a pretty good opportunity for me. Very cool. I will definitely include a link to that organization for our listeners too. How did you decide what to grow and what happens to the food that you grow? Is it mostly um, just given to the, the people who are growing or do you have a CSA? Yeah, well, we are a 501c3, and being that in my immediate community in Broderick and West Sacramento, it is designated a food desert. So our goals for 2021 is to give away up to 40, as much as 60% of our food locally to food insecure homes. As far as what we decided to grow, well, 
we have decided to grow a variety of crops because understandably most folks usually buy and eat the same 10 vegetable varieties um, throughout their life. So we wanted to expose them to different varieties of vegetables to get them excited about eating organic vegetables and as much produce as we could. So currently we do have a CSA. We do a farm stand um, during the summer. And we also were really, um, this past season, our goal was to introduce ourselves to maybe 10 restaurants and hopefully get them to support and purchase vegetables from us locally to eliminate any type of carbon footprint selling right close to where we're at. But due to COVID-19, that changed things drastically. And that's why our CSA really took root and was able to get a lot of support. As far as like what we grow, well, we grow cucumbers, about six different varieties, um, striped Armenian, Corinto, Market Moore, Excelsior, tomatoes. We do cherry tomatoes. We do heirloom tomatoes. We do about four or five different varieties of peppers, three different varieties of basil. We have, of course, our namesake, corn, beans, and squash, traditional Native American companion plants. And we're really just trying to add as many different varieties as we can to expose uh, folks in our community to different vegetables and offering different ways of them for them to cook and prepare these foods. Yeah, that's beautiful. So yeah, what have the results been so far as you've grown your gardening efforts? Like how has the farming transformed? Let's start with the space. Um, you said it was like a, a vacant space with like garbage on it. How has the farming, you know, made an impact on that neighborhood? Wow. Um, to be perfectly honest, it's been amazing. What we've been able to transform on the outside has had a direct effect to a lot of us on the inside, making mm -hmm. that connection that what we've been able to do with our hands, creating these beautiful landscapes and um, just kind of small food oases where once upon a time there was nothing but refuse, garbage, and um, just kind of dead space, you know, seeing the value in the soil and what we could create about, out of it has really changed a lot of folks in our community. I think I, I was mentioning to you, we have multiple youth that come out and work with us. And um, prior to us even gaining any funding, these youth came out day in and day out last spring and summer getting no pay, just the benefits of being able to grow the food, have some of the food, and see the benefits that we can um, support our community by, by providing it for our elders, women, and children. So it's really been amazing. I mean, just kind of like the creation of these spaces. And I don't know, hopefully you all get a chance to see some of the um, the drone footage that we've been able to take. And it's, it's just been really amazing. Yeah, I will definitely get those links to those videos. Um, that would be awesome to share. Tell me a little more about uh, also working with the young people that you've brought in to help. Like, how did you set up that program and what do you hope that youth learn when they join the farm? Yeah, well, definitely we want these youth to see their connection to their community, to see themselves, you know, I mean, in the tomorrows to come and just letting them know that there are future leaders. Um, so what I like to say is we work with the at potential youth in our community for quite some time. There had been a, um, 
over-policing, over-criminalizing the native, indigenous, and uh, people of color, uh, definitely a school-to-prison pipeline and um, having a system impacted, being system impacted myself, I mean, I just knew there had to be something else for us to offer our youth to shore up, to make these connections so that we can give these youth every opportunity possible to live up to their potential. So I um, just started with with one youth in the beginning, little Miguel. Uh, he's 17 now. He's about to be 18 this year. But I mean, from the beginning, um, I was told that this was a little um, a hard-headed youngster, you know what I mean, kind of getting pointed in the wrong direction. Just kind of seeing myself in him and knowing that, I mean, what would I would like to have had happen when I was his age? What did I need? And so I just started talking to him. I communicated with him. I try to relate with him. I try to let him know that, you know what, you got some space right here. And so one conversation led to another. And then slowly but surely, you know, we had him out um, planting spinach and come to find out he really likes spinach a lot. And he didn't know that, you know, he wasn't really eating a lot of vegetables. So starting with uh, Miguel, you know, he introduced a couple of his friends. And then um, after that, it's just like people seeing what we're doing out there, stopping by family, friends, kind of word of mouth and, and connecting with other youth and people that you know, mean could use some guidance and mentoring and also learn to do something good and positive. So now we have uh, 14 youth working with this pretty regularly, just trying to break everyone up with this new social distancing and, of course, um, trying to be as careful as we can with the uh, pandemic and whatnot. Really offered some challenges, but, you know, they keep coming back and, and that's what we're about. We want to offer these youth uh, jobs, training, mentorship, and um, hopefully we can get them to step up and at some point take over one of these small farm spaces that we do have in operation. Very cool. And then what's been the impact if you've had a chance to see, like for the people that get to eat the food, um, you mentioned that this is a food desert area where people don't have access to a lot of healthy, fresh food. What's the impact that you've seen when people have gotten access to these veggies from you? It's really heartwarming. It's, a great deal of satisfaction for myself to be able to provide these wholesome, nutrient-dense, organic vegetables to our community free. So the feedback that we get is that they truly do appreciate and love what we're doing. Because I'm very sociable. I don't know if you you can tell, but I love talking to people, introducing myself, and trying to get as many folks involved, involved in our program as we can. So um, anybody passing by, um, I'll, I'll just try opening up a conversation and they get curious and ask us what we're doing. And, you know, once upon a time, we were pushing you know, pretty negatively in our neighborhood. And now we're just pushing vegetables to anybody and everybody that can walk by. And once they see what we're giving them, they're just completely overjoyed. And um, I mean, I've gotten so many positive interactions and so much feedback that you know, I mean, folks just keep on coming back. They're surprised that we're just giving stuff away. So what are your hopes for what's next um, with Three Sisters Gardens in, in this year or in the coming years? Do you think you'll like keep expanding or um, mostly like focus on the spaces that you have and really like just growing those efforts? Yeah, well, 
I mean, I don't have no intentions to stop them growing whatsoever. My goal from the beginning was 50 farms in five years. And we're heading on our, our third year, starting our third year pretty much here. And that's still my goal, to build up a resiliency within our community, to support those that are most in need, provide food. One of our, our sayings is growing a revolution, rebuilding urban soil. So we want to build up as many, create as many new spaces as we possibly can so that our community can have all the food that we need, not just to survive, but to thrive. So continuing to look for new spaces to grow our organizational capacity. I mean, at present, uh, we have um, four board members with Three Sisters Gardens, but I would love to expand our board, open up to some new folks um, within our community. With four farms, we have the capacity to grow the food. We really just need the, the staff behind it now. Um, surprisingly, I'm still uh, unpaid and throughout this whole endeavor. And, and I continue to give back and want to just build up as much as possible so that these youth can see that, you I mean, we're going to be here. And I think that's one of the most important things, not just, you mean, two, three years so that in five years, you know, we can have maybe the 50 gardens that we want and the staff, employees and youth to handle and, and man these um, farms. So really trying to just build up a resiliency within our community so that we don't have to be reliant upon any outside input. We really want to create our strong as town as strong as possible for future generations. Yeah, I love that. Um, what advice would you have for others who are trying to take action to make their communities stronger, whether through working with young people, fixing up a vacant space, or growing their own food, all these things that you've done? How could somebody get started on something like you've been doing? Oh, man, I truly hope that some folks are inspired behind what we're doing. We're the most unlikeliest of farmers in our community. So I say it just starts with taking a step, uh, believe in yourself and just know that there's going to be hard work involved, but don't shy away from it. Continue to build an organization of community members where you guys can come out and meet. And we like to say um, many hands make light work. So uh, form a group of people, start with an idea and seven beds, seven beds is what we started with. And now we're operating four urban farms in our community year-round, growing organic food sustainably and regeneratively. Quiet as it's kept, we're also going to be um, collaborating to open a, a tree nursery with uh, two other organizations, with the Yisrael Family Urban Farm out of Oak Park in Sacramento and uh, Planting Justice. They're based in Oakland, but they have like two nurseries. And so, you know, I mean, what I like to tell people is that, you know, just hustle, hustle be determined. Don't give up. Continue to see the need to rebuild this um, urban soil, you know, growing grow this revolution because we have to take care of our mother earth. And as long as we can do that, she will continue to give back and provide to us. So um, I say just take them steps, believe in yourselves and you can make it happen in your community too. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Alfred, for sharing your story and your wisdom. Um, really appreciate it. And I know it will be inspiring for people listening. So thanks so much for your time. 
Yeah, I truly appreciate it, Rachel. Thank you.